0: it feels good to be back episode 92 we are in the midst of indian wells oh it feels good it's been um it's been really great weather really great matches first week and second week so far um how have you been feeling
1: oh i'm good a lot of uh news with indian Wells, so it's gonna be a good episode yeah 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 so uh i won't waste too much time here where do we start at we're gonna start with uh venus and serena being called out now we had at the critics choice award we had uh jane campion who Mm. won uh, best director for power of the dog at first she said um she congratulated the boys which was all the male directors Mm -hmm. and then she turned her focus to venus and serena williams who were there at Mm -hmm. the awards and she went on to say You guys are incredible women, but you don't have to play with the boys like I do. Mm. Uh, the crowd went wild, but Venus and especially Venus had this look of cringe, a cringe look, as in, mm. what was that about? Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on that comment?
0: Um, that's a little confusing to me. You know, I, I understand uh, what she was trying to say on stage, but that's just, that's just very distasteful. Um, I'm assuming she's saying like in the film industry it's a male-dominated industry, but so are sports. Um, So I'm a little confused by that. You know, obviously, I think that uh, women in the film industry uh, their their progress and their level, them getting equality, still in its infancy, in comparison to maybe women's tennis, which is one of the most developed women's sports on earth. You know, but someone worked for that you know people put time in for that and pete they're still putting time in for that so that's a little that's weird you know it's like you guys are you guys are part of the same overall movement so why are you shooting at each other especially in a moment of success so
1: yes that's what i was about to say she just win, wins the award for best yeah. director and it's gonna take time off of her speech yeah to come at venus and serena yeah it's a little weird that's just just, just very dumb to me. Yeah. But she later on went on to apologize because she did get a lot of backlash uh, from Twitter.
0: Yeah. Especially
1: all the fans were, what the heck was that? Yeah. You're privileged, a, a white person calling two black women. This is Twitter. Yeah. Uh, uh, things, oh yeah, a, a white woman calling of a, a two black women. Now that's rich. Mm-hmm. So it, it was it was tough. But she later on apologized for what she said. Yeah. So. I think it was just distasteful. I don't think it was meant to be spiteful or anything, but you know, it's what happens when people lack perspective. Yes, agree. Now we're going to move on to some Layla Fernandez news. Hey. She lost to Bedosa today, Mm -hmm. but the reason why I'm uh, putting her on is because she actually got a pretty big sponsorship. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's being sponsored by... uh, I'm going to look it up later, but after winning the title in Mexico... She ended up uh, with this big sponsorship. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the sponsorship? I'm gonna get to the sponsorship right now. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Um,
0: that's awesome. I think that's a that's a big win for her. I think that she's very marketable. I think she's a hardworking athlete, and you know, just just because I was there yesterday, um, I will say I saw Layla Fernandez training and doing her warm up, and it was really cool to watch. You know, um, she came out. And, you know, they really compartmentalized the game. And you could see she she spent, like, the first 20 minutes inside that service box hitting transition balls, short balls, short angles, kills, balls out the air, balls off her feet, you know, a standard ball. You know, she was really putting time in. And she had a match in an hour and a half. You know, this was her warm-up for that match. So, it was really awesome to see her go out there and put the work in. And it kind of went to show me why she's been successful. So... It's awesome to see, and I think any
1: sponsorships that come her way, she deserves them. It's the brand ambassador for Morgan Stanley. Wow. So, uh, they're on board. Uh, moving on to the next topic, we're going to get to it, might as well. Mm-hmm. Osaka gets heckled. Now, this is a big one. So, <clears throat> she was being heckled. Uh, a fan said, Naomi, you suck. Mm-hmm. And she started to cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, She lost the first set Mm 6-0 and then asked for the mic. Mm -hmm. Now, the tournament referee went up to the chair umpire and told her, you can't give her the mic. She wanted to speak through the chair umpire's mic. And they said, you can't do that. Uh, They they said, well, do you want us to kick out the person, whatever? And then she said, I just want to talk to them. Mm. So... At the end of the match, she ended up getting uh, spoken to. You know how the winner gets spoken to, not the loser. Yeah. So she gets spoken to. Then she said that that incident reminded her of Serena and Venus when Mm. they were called the N-word at Mm. Indian Wells. And she said that it hurt her. Mm. And that it caused a big mind uh, in her mind Mm. that she froze. And she just... Started crying. Hmm. What are your thoughts on that?
0: That is way too traumatic for me. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Hecklers, haters, they're gonna always be there. Sometimes it's not even because they dislike you, it's because of how much they love your opponent. You know, Medvedev faced it at the Australian Open and he took it really hard too. He was he told the whole story of the young boy who dreamed of being on the tour and now that young boy is gone and you know now we're getting the Osaka breaking down in tears mid-sets you know things like that There's there's some type of pattern in these newer generations of players where they struggle a lot more with scrutiny and criticism and hecklers and distractions it it hits them a lot harder than it ever has hit athletes before and that's a little disappointing, in my opinion. Um, I wish that these athletes were able to give themselves a little more perspective in these moments. Obviously, no one wants to be spoken to negatively, but also you are in a position of privilege, and these people are that are paying to watch you. They're not all good people, you know. So they're going. There's always going to be negative and dark personalities in the crowd and part of being a professional athlete is knowing how to handle that so you know I don't think that she's wrong as far as feeling some type of way about it but you gotta understand how to have a poker face and get through a match as a professional
1: yes I'm gonna talk about how I feel about it but also when Shapovalov faced Opelka mm-hmm. there were also hecklers as well Yeah, and they got thrown out Yeah, uh, Osaka's heckler did not get thrown out yeah. but the Opelka heckler got thrown out mm-hmm. Shababalov said that they were just being rude Mm -hmm. and there wasn't uh anything bad said but Mm. it got to them and opelka said if you're gonna kick this guy out kick out the guy with him yeah and they got kicked out Mm. so let me ask you a question we know about the n-word said to venus and serena Mm. look what happened with osaka Mm. the heckler with uh, shababalov and opelka Mm. what is it with indian wells and people just being so rude what do you think I don't
0: think it's just an Indian Wells thing actually. I think that crowds are be- they're getting more and more bold on the tour. I don't know if you recall just recently but at the Australian, you know, the crowd was excessive. It was it was a hot topic. It was a bubbling topic how crazy the crowd was at that tournament for everyone using they're using World Cup chants yes. and all kinds of different chants and some of them were even cheering on miss serves and stuff like that. And I'm not going to lie. I was watching Curios play, um, and we'll get to that later. But there were people yelling kind of during the serve a little bit. You know, very, very poor etiquette from the crowd. And I couldn't really tell who was being cheered for at some points, you know. So I'm, I'm not a big fan of the way crowds
1: are behaving right now. Now, in Australia's defense, whether or not it's a defense or not, mm. they were... Uh, yelling when Kyrios and Kokonakis were playing yeah so they're cheering their Australian compatriots yeah. heavy but here it's not yeah so that that's sort of weird but my my honest thing is probably going to be COVID related you know mm-hmm. people are starting to come out into the crowd so they're just happy to be out yeah so that's my thing now as far as Osaka is concerned she took time off to deal with her mental health yeah and if she's not ready to come out and she's not ready with her mental health, she probably should stay out a little longer Yeah. until she gets everything together mm-hmm. because they are going to get louder. Yeah. Uh, she is in a, a position of privilege. Mm. Uh, you could say, all right, you're making millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Why is that getting to you? Mm. Uh, as a matter of fact, let's bring up some examples. Curios, mm. right. I, I saw that 2019 Miami.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, there's a guy heckling him. Mm. All of a sudden, he starts yelling at the guy and says, you are wasting your Friday night watching me. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, he makes a surf, throws the ball at him. Mm. And then he's all, look, why are you watching me? Why don't you leave if, you're, if you think uh, I'm so bad or whatever? Mm. They kick him out. They kicked the guy out. Yeah. But look at Kyrgios' reaction. He was just, I'm good. Yeah. You know, Medvedev, same thing. Yeah. So now we're going to get to the uh, players. Mm -hmm. Nadal said, I empathize for her, but we are in a position to where we're athletes and we need to um, get used to it. Yeah medvedev on the other hand said i understand completely yeah and as you just stated look what happened to me in australia yeah and we're humans and we're gonna have bad days yeah and we're going to we have to deal with it but sometimes it's hard yeah uh what side are you on nadal's or medvedev's uh it's for me i'm on the side of curious. i'm gonna
0: choose option c <laughs> which is if you feel some way about it do something you know I've seen Kyrios actively on three separate occasions stop a match to have someone kicked out of the crowd so that he could be at peace and continue with what he's doing. And that's a a piece of the privilege is you have the power to do that as the athlete. You are the entertainment. If you stop the show, the tournament's going to figure out what do we need to do to get the show back rolling. And he stopped. He pointed at the people in the crowd and said, that guy right there, get him out of here. And tournament officials went up. They approached the the younger people and they pulled them out of the tournament so i would like to see osaka take that position obviously maybe she doesn't have that personality type where she's aggressive and you know once people
1: removed but i think that would be in her best interest yes uh curios also spoke about his mental health Mm -hmm. and as you just stated sometimes he needs it a certain way in order for him to function yeah so it's the same thing with his tennis game which we'll get to later mm. but that's just what he does yeah. so i agree that i agree with that for sure now uh, what i will say about nadal is that it was a little rich for him to say that because he is one of the crowd favorites yeah he and, rarely like you're about to say right he'll never get booed yeah so coming from him i don't know Nadal's in such
0: a position of privilege if there was a heckler he wouldn't even talk to tournament officials. The rest of the crowd will attack the heckler. No one wants to see Nadal put in a negative position. So
1: he's definitely doesn't understand the perspective. Correct. Yeah. Uh, next topic, Djokovic return. Mm-hmm. Now he is going to make his return in Monaco, which mm-hmm. is uh, Monte Carlo. Yeah. And they're not required to do a COVID test. Mm-hmm. So he's good with the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Are you expecting big things from Djokovic on clay? It's not going to be easy for him, but hopefully he is, you know, I can
0: expect him to do at least quarters. You know, he is a good clay court player, but, you know, we are seeing a currently undefeated Nadal. We are seeing, uh, I hate to jump the gun here, but we are seeing an active Root on the tour right now. You know, there, there are some hitters that will probably be at that tournament. And so I'm very interested to see how – Djokovic uh, you know does on the clay courts versus these guys and how he fares. So I I'd love to get a gauge of what Djokovic
1: is showing up to the French Open assuming he plays it. Yes. Now this is only his second tournament of the year. Right. So are you still are you expecting quarters? It's tough to say. I'm very curious to see how playing less tournaments
0: affects his overall performance because we know that He's a per, he's a momentum player. When he's on a big run, he gets bigger and bigger and more difficult to beat. But these streaky one tournament here, one tournament there, I don't know if I've ever seen him really make a run while also being a little streaky with how many events he plays. So I don't have super
1: high hopes for him. Makes sense. Hmm. Now, Monaco um, allows you to not have proof of uh, COVID, as it's stated, but you have to prove that you had... COVID within the last six months and that you're recovering from it. So that's their uh, COVID rule. So obviously Djokovic had it in January, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. He's recovering. Those are the six months. Right. So he's in. There you Uh, go. More Djokovic. Uh, Venus has just been giving. It's more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Rumored Mm -hmm. that Venus is going to receive a pretty big endorsement from Lacoste. Mm. Uh, Djokovic is sponsored by Lacoste. Yeah. And supposedly, according to rumors, the uh, contract that Venus gets will be the same as Djokovic's current contract. Current contract. My apologies. Mm. Do you think that Djokovic is about to lose the face of Lacoste, not be the face of Lacoste anymore?
0: That would be very crazy to see them drop him to pick her up. But I hate to say it, but if I'm Lacoste, that might be a very good move for them. Um, I think that Venus is a more positive image and a better look for them from a marketing standpoint than Djokovic is right now. And so it'd be very wise from a marketing perspective. But it'll be interesting to see because maybe they are just going to have both of them. You know, that's a possibility. but. It's been a slippery slope with Djokovic, you know. um, After him losing his last sponsor, who knows? Who knows? Because we could see him a little bit high and dry but you know, maybe just have a few big ones and that's it. Not only is he not playing
1: a whole lot, he's getting negative press when he's out and about. Oh, absolutely. Now, a little bit more of Djokovic news. Medvedev lost early in Indian Wells. Mm -hmm. So as of Monday, Djokovic will again, regained the number one spot. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? It's funny.
0: I don't think that um, Medvedev is the best player in the world right now. So him losing the number one ranking is no surprise at all. But I don't know if Djokovic is either. I like Nadal right now as the number one player in the world. So maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know the exact point standings right now, but if Nadal wins the Indian Wells tournament... Maybe he makes a power move up to number two or number one. Right. Um, I haven't checked the, to see what the potential results are of him going all the way, but last time I checked, he was currently 17-0. and The only other athletes to have a 17-0 and run at the start of the year since 1990 are Pete Sampras, Roger Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal. Legendary players. Yes. So, you know, it, he's, he's in great company and he's on a great path and hopefully he goes all the way.
1: Right. Next topic, Monfis news. Mm-hmm. Now, as we just spoke, uh, Medvedev lost uh, early, and it was to Gaël Monfis. He is having a resurgence uh, in his uh, career. Right. This is the second time in his career that he has beaten a current number one. He beaten Nadal, and now Medvedev. Mm. Uh, what are your thoughts on the resurgence of Gaël Monfis? I love it. He's. I mean, we've heard this even from some of the big three.
0: He's one of those guys that is a dark horse no matter where he's at and when he's at. He technically has all the shots. He is in the top five fastest serves of Indian Wells this year. He's cranked it that big. He has incredible movement. He's flashy. He knows how to hit all the shots. He can come forward. He can stay back. He can grind it out in longer rallies. He's a dangerous athlete. So the fact that he's finally you know doing less showmanship and grinding it out and he's focused he's inspired part of it might be that he's married to his Vitalina. Vitalina, you know and he's surround he's in an environment of high quality discipline in tennis um i actually was thinking we should do a special episode i don't know if i I haven't told you about this yet but um tell me now why not yeah (laughs) tennis tv is um they're releasing programming right now on on the internet streaming for free and they're, uh, they're one-on-ones where two players sit across from each other and both give each other tips on how they can be better on the tour. Wow. And um, they did one with Felix and Shelby Rogers. Okay. They, they coached each other. And they did one with Zvitalina and Gail Monfi.
1: There you go. And That'd be
0: perfect. They weren't really coaching each other because, obviously, they're, they're, they talked more about what it's like to be on the tour and follow each other around and always be together and be pro tennis players. So they kind of discussed that portion. And she was saying, like, she wakes up at the crack of dawn to get her day started, and he's, like, adamant about getting his full sleep. Like, he sleeps in. <laughs> and so, they're, like, talking about, like, oh, she's got to be quiet in the morning so that he can get his hours in. And I was like, that sounds about right for Gil fee So, it's interesting, but that might be a great
1: bonus episode we can put together. No, that'd be that'd be really cool. Mm. Next topic, some Brooksby news. Now, this guy, he is, uh, he's even, uh, according to some people, he's even uh, going to be a, a better American player more than Corda. I still, in my opinion, like Corda a little better, mm-hmm. but uh, Brooksby does annoy a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Opelka said, I hate playing this guy. There's been people on record <laughs> saying, I don't like playing this guy. Yeah. Now, he just beat Stefano Sissi Pass and this is his first top 10 uh, victory and obviously uh, Sissi Pass is number 5 in the world. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Brooksby's accomplishment? He's a puzzle. He's a puzzle and
0: I'll be I'll be frank. Players like him they they get early success from being an anomaly in a gray area, but somebody will figure it out. And then he's got to figure out his next phase of his game after that. You know, someone like a Djokovic who has a statistician and they're going to analyze and study and make sure that, you know, one of these top guys who puts more t- money into their team is successful against him. Once that they crack that piece of the puzzle, then I'm interested to see what his next step is in his game development wise, because he seems to be very invested in what he, him and his team are doing and their goal is to make sure that he gets on people's nerves. He said in his press conference, that's literally what we work on, is we try to not have any weak points for someone to exploit, and we try to give people balls they're uncomfortable with and make them play extra balls. That's kind of what his style is right now. So what he's doing, there's a method to the madness, and I'm really impressed by that. But not having weapons at all, I don't know anyone in the top 10 typically, who doesn't have any weapons and has a successful all-surface career. You got to have something. So I'll be waiting to see that. I haven't watched Brooksby close, close yet to determine if there's something that can blossom later.
1: Yes, he's uh, he's Djokovic and Medvedev. He's very yeah. steady, not a big, big weapons, but his consistency kills. Yeah. If he had a little bit of a bigger serve, he would be even better. Yeah, that's a weapon that Medvedev has is his serve is right. actually pretty good. Right now, people are even saying that Brooksby, sorry, himself said the ATP doesn't like warming up with me, or do, don't they don't like practicing with me? Mm. And Brooksby said, "I'm completely fine with that. I'm good hitting with with uh, whoever will hit with me with my team. I'm good with that." <clears throat> so that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Now you have a a certain uh, uh, topic about sissy pass. What he said? Yeah. So sissy pass
0: showed up to his press conference after losing and he had some things to say about playing Brooksby and they asked him they said hey so uh it seems like Brooksby um you didn't really have an answer for him out there can you explain to us explain to us some things he was doing well or things that you were doing wrong and he said honestly you know the guy's unathletic the guy's not explosive the guy has no major weapons and these are quotes he said these exact words and he said you know The only thing I can say positive about him is he got some balls back. He got a lot of balls back in the court. But, you know, CeCe Pott couldn't really, he couldn't explain or articulate why he lost the match truly outside of having to hit extra balls. And that just goes to show you that the Brooksby puzzle cannot be easily solved. And it's going to take someone who's really a student to pick him apart. And these are the type of players I miss Federer for because... We we didn't fully understand the brilliance of Federer's ability to adapt on the court live and pick apart these guys who seem to be the most complicated puzzles out there. So these younger guys like CC Pa, they they buckle. He he's not an articulate player on the court. You, we remember what happened to him against Djokovic in that match, where he couldn't he couldn't break the, the puzzle. He couldn't figure it out. He can't make adjustments. He's got coaching conspiracies. He struggles with thinking while playing. Even though he's a brilliant, excellent athlete, he's not a super intelligent tennis player. So it was funny to hear his, his mind's thoughts
1: because they were so basic. That guy is not a better athlete than me. That's why I don't get it. Speaking of Federer, Nadal tends to break down uh, players as well that are mm. up and coming and they're killing everybody. Yeah. And he tears them apart.
0: I think that Nadal's is almost an, a reciprocated version though. I think that these players have never experienced the level of athleticism Nadal brings to a court and they get shocked. Right. Uh he, he's a freak of nature and I don't think these players have ever played someone like that in their life. He's as consistent as a Brooksby and has the velocity of a jack sock. He's super steady and volatile at the same time, you know. Where do you where do you train for that? <laughs> you know, yeah, it's hard to. You yeah. can't and, you know, you're not ready until you're there. And it is what it is. So, and it doesn't help them at all. It is actually an intelligent player. Yes. You know, he will take some steps back and wait. He will step in and take it early. He will flatten out. He'll add more spin. He'll try to pick shots from you. We saw him uh, have trouble with Kyrgios the first time. The next time he met Kyrios, he had an entirely different shot pattern and picked him apart. Right. You know, he's an intelligent player. So. Yes.
1: Uh, he didn't serve to his backhand. He exactly. went to his forehand. So that was quick. right and that's away. what a
0: lot of people are f- afraid of doing with Kyrios is going to that forehand. But everyone saw Nadal figure it out.
1: And now they know that's the play against Kyrgios Right. Because they saw one of the big boys do it. Exactly. Now going to Sissy Pass again, he said the same thing about Medvedev. Yeah. That, oh, he just gets things back. He's unathletic. Mm-hmm. So do you think that Sissy Pass could be a little bit of a sore loser? Absolutely. It, to me, it just sounds like
0: he's not a super cerebral athlete. He, you know, if he, when he gets beat by people, he just talks about things that he thinks they aren't. It just lets me know that he, he has a lot of self-belief in his physical abilities, but he needs to respect the fact that, look, all of these guys are professional athletes, <laughs> you know, like they made it where you're at. We're here now, you know? So you need to be a bit more tactical and observant of what makes these guys special and how did they get to where they are now. Every player out there, you need to respect them as professionals. You know, I love that it's the big three specifically, you know, they'll be like, hey, you know, you could possibly run into this guy in the fourth round. How do you feel? And they go, look, I have to win the first, second, and third round first before I feel any way about that. And they focus on the opponents in front of them, and they create plans, and they go out there and execute them. I don't think C C P A thinks that way yet. Hopefully he does get there eventually, but I don't like the way he um he he comes out there on the court. You know, like it seems like he's just out there trying to hit hit the open court, open up with his shots, maybe do sequences and patterns with his game, but not because he's reacting or being proactive to his opponent's game. He's just playing the ball.
1: No, you no, know, he has patterns, but as you stated, he doesn't he doesn't uh, calculate what the other person is doing. He has yeah. set patterns and he doesn't change them exactly. And if he doesn't change that part. He's going to get stuck where he's at for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> Sounds kind of like birdie, huh? Yes, pretty much. Mm. Pretty much. Next topic, Nadal is uh making more history. Now he is 17 and 0. He's about to be 18 and 0 if he can beat Obalka. Mm. Uh, can he do it? Do you think he'll get to 18 and 0? Uh Pete Sampras and Federer are 17 and 0 as well. Nadal is 17-0 to start the season. Can Nadal get to 18-0?
0: Absolutely. Nadal is going to be just fine. Nadal is going to stand 15 feet behind that baseline. And he's going to launch that forehand return right back to Opelka's feet. And he's going to be okay. I will say this, though. Opelka is playing very good tennis right now. But Indian Wells courts, it's, it's tough to say. You know, Nadal Nadal's not extremely successful at Indian Wells. He um, he's known for going pretty deep there, but usually not winning the whole tournament. So he had the upset with Dolgopolov. He had the loss to Federer not too long ago, and I think it was the semifinal. Um, you know, he, he usually makes it pretty deep and then comes up a little short. But I don't think Opelka will be the reason this year. So I'm I'm actually kind of hoping that um, we see an, a a
1: Nadal matchup at this tournament. Oh, that'd be pretty good. That's what I'm hoping for. Yes. Now, uh, not to correct you, my friend. But uh, Nadal has uh, fifty-five wins at Indian Wells. But how many titles does he is, have? Okay, which is his third highest uh, wins. Uh, obviously, he's number one at Monte Carlo, mm-hmm. and I do not know the second. But here's the part where he made uh, more history. Mm-hmm. He is—he has four hundred career wins in Masters one thousands. Mm-hmm. He—he—it's it, not even close to the second place what are your thoughts on nadal winning 400 matches in masters 1000s it just
0: speaks to the legendary consistency of a freak athlete um he's amazing you know he's he's competing with a very short list of co-legends you know and all these guys are taking the fact that they have all these records in the same era is mind-boggling because if one of them doesn't exist, the other two's results, you know, they almost double. So it's amazing to see. And, yeah, I just looked at the stat. Nadal has won three Indian
1: Wells in his career. So it's a, it's decent. It's decent. It's it's not more than 10 has, does he has in Monte Carlo. Right. But, yes.
0: So that's why I'm saying for a guy who's won some tournaments in double digits – this is a tournament where he does consistently go deep, but traditionally he doesn't usually close it there. This is a weird tournament, you know. Right. We've seen John Isner win Indian Wells. We've seen some the what was it? Nori versus um Yeah,
1: Nori and Baoshevli. Yeah,
0: like we've seen some weird champions here. So it's a confusing tournament for me cuz I'm not sure why we see these random winners come out of nowhere at this Masters 1000. Yes. It's one of the few where I don't see
1: like this guy wins it every time kind of thing. I mean, I get your point. When when you have Rafael Nadal winning seven or eight in yeah. each tournament, and then he only has three and one, Yeah, I, I see it for sure. Yeah, it's a little
0: surprising for me.
1: Yes. Uh, so, Nadal is 400 wins and 83 losses in Masters 1000s. So, that's pretty insane. And that's one step below Grand Slams. That's right. amazing. Right. And then... Uh, Nadal has 400 wins in Masters 1000s, Federer 381, Djokovic 374, and then it goes down, down. Andy Murray, 219, Agassi 209. Yeah, and those guys are legends. And those are that's <laughs> the top five list. Wow. So that's insane.
0: Yeah, those guys. That just speaks to the, what they've done because Andre Agassi is a household name. Yes. He's an absolute legend. He's got seven slams, I believe it is. Incredible player. Andy Murray has won a long list of tournaments. He's won a lot, a lot of tournaments. So that's that's amazing that
1: he's doubling their numbers. Right. It's crazy. Right. Now, Nadal will not play in Miami. He stated that the main reason he's not doing it is because the, the adjustment to adjust his body from hard to clay is not long enough. So he's going to take Miami off to adjust his body to Monte Carlo. Mm. Are you okay with that?
0: I love it. I love that for him. And I have a lot of trust in Nadal to manage his schedule to be prepared for clay because he's done it for the last 10 years successfully. He tries to make sure no matter what's going on in his life, he's able to make a deep run and probably win the French Open. And that starts with him getting ready for this clay season, acclimating his body, maintaining his uh, health and his energy levels. I think that there's no reason
1: he needs to go to Miami. Yes, I agree. Um, he has nothing to prove right now. Yeah. And his main focus wasn't even to win Australia, it's to win the French Open. Right. So he knows what he's doing for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's that the Australian Open, it sounds weird to say, but it was extra credit for him. Yes. You know, so. Uh, last topic uh, big Kyrios win. Now, we do know that Kyrios and Casper Rudd have had big drama we yeah. start with 2019 as yeah, a matter say, of fact we've documented yes we were gonna do that uh i was gonna say that sorry our third episode mm-hmm. uh Kyrgios throws a chair casper mm-hmm. rudd said he needs to be fined more curio mm-hmm. says okay who are you yeah you, who are you yeah then uh curio K- uh, says i don't play at the french open Casper mm. uh, Rudd says, huh, interesting. I wonder why. Mm. Then all of a sudden, I didn't know this one, but Curios, sorry, when Casper Rudd won his three titles on uh, clay, Curios mm. went to Twitter and said, why not on Hardcourt though? Mm. So they've had a little bit of banter. Yeah. Uh, this is his first top 10 win since 2020. Mm. And this is his first time where he's won three matches in a row mm. since 2020. Are you seeing a new and improved Nick Kyrgios?
0: Yes and no. So, so let me put some things in perspective here with your storyline, right? So, like you said, you know they had very early beef, and this is back when Casper Rudd was a nobody outside the top 100. Correct. And Kyrgios responds with like, "Who are you talking to? You're you you don't have anything. You've never done anything. I'm two and over Djokovic. (laughs) You know he's like (laughs) I'm. I've proven what I've done. If I want to throw a chair and get ejected, that's my business." You know, save your opinions for the other people outside the top 100. You know, and then this is this is what made this story interesting for me. Casper Rudd had a phenomenal year last year. We were talking about him possibly having one of the best seasons of all tennis athletes last year. Um, how did he won four tournaments or something yes. like that? He won a lot of tournaments last year. Doesn't matter what surface they were on. He went he from being him. like top 60 in the world to top 10, top 10, top 10. 10. So to see him do that, and Kyrgios's statistics are a little skewed. Uh, he was very COVID-weary, so he didn't really play anything, um, which is partially why he has no wins. But when he did play, they had a very high-performing ATP Cup team. They played well there. He uh, He played very well at the Australian Open, but he consistently, because his ranking is complete crap, he draws top four players in the first three rounds, and he disappears. But he has some of the best matches against these players in their whole entire draw. So it's a little loaded and tricky. So when they we find out that they're going to meet up, you go, okay, has what Kyrgios has been doing in these second round losses that looks amazing, is it actually the fact that he's playing really good tennis all the time and we just don't get to see it? And then with Kasparud, are we seeing a top eight level player? Showing up to play Kyrgios, which is different from the guy who used to talk trash two or three years ago. So, it's very interesting to see what was going to happen when they faced off. Now, you would think their rankings were switched by the way this match went. Curios steamrolled this guy. Bad. Really bad. Um, what did you think of the match? Did you watch it?
1: Yes. Um, be- before I-, I answer that question... Nick Kyrgios, yes, he did not play because of the COVID, mm. but is, as you stated, he his ranking is so low that he doesn't win two matches in a row in a Grand Slam. Yeah. By the time he gets to the third third match, he's cooked. Yeah. So he's he's put himself in a predicament. Yeah. And right now he's playing these Masters one thousands every day. It's a high level match. Yeah. So Kyrgios is playing big names. Early and he's been consistent at doing so yeah so in my opinion i'm i think that i'm seeing a more evolved nick curios absolutely now as far as the match is concerned typical curios as we stated earlier he likes to do things to keep himself loose mm. but what people don't understand is that he's up a break so mm. why would he need to break Uh, Rudd again. Yeah. So if he wants to do a tweener, let him. Yeah. He's he's already up a break. Right. Uh, Rudd could not touch his first serve. Rudd didn't uh, see a break point in two sets. Right. He could not touch his first serve. Yeah. Period. Every time he made a first serve, he won. Yeah. I I forgot the stat exactly, but Mm. I think maybe Kyrios lost three, four points on his first serve. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to beat that? Yeah. So. If he's serving that way, you're you're good. He's good. Yeah. I mean,
0: like you said, he outclassed him. You know, Rudd could not figure out the Kyrgios forehand. He couldn't find the Kyrgios or he couldn't find the Curios forehand well enough. He couldn't find the Kyrgios first serve. He was struggling a little bit with the Kyrgios second serve. Right. Kyrgios had a few airs on his second serve. And Kyrgios broke him within the first two service games each set. So these were extremely early breaks, and he kind of went into Sampras' mindset, yes. which is I'm just going to go for it on these other return
1: games, and I'm going to stay serious on my serve games. Exactly. Smooth. Exactly. That's what Pete Sampras did. Yeah. So speaking of uh, uh, each each match is big. Mm-hmm. His next match is center. Yeah. So who do you got?
0: Um, you know, here's where it's going to get a little interesting for me. I normally would probably say center. But I saw Kyrgios in person. He looks very, very lean and fit right now. Um, He said after his match that his objective right now is to be successful and play well in the desert. So he's not going out. He said, I keep my head down. I go back home with my girlfriend and I relax and I just get ready for my next match. That's what I'm doing right now. He said, and it's boring in Indian Wells. There's nothing to do. There you go. So, So with that being said, I watched Sinner's match. Sinner played One of the best qualifier or challenger pros of last year in his match. He played against uh, Benjamin Bonzi. Benjamin Bonzi won five challenger tournaments last year. And for people who aren't familiar with what challengers are, they're usually tournaments you have to win to qualify to get into the big boy tournaments. So when you see players that kind of disappear from injuries or mental health breaks and their rankings drop outside the top 100, kind of like Kyrios, they have to win these events to get into the Indian Wells tournament. Jack Sock was in the Challengers last year. Yes. And we know he was playing against people just like Benjamin Bonzi. And Benjamin Bonzi won multiples of these tournaments. So, I say all this to say that this guy played against Sinner. And Sinner barely beat him. They had... This guy was serving in the 130 sometimes during this. And Sinner... So, here's why I'm saying all this. Sinner essentially wasn't really adapting live on the court. He was kind of CC posh very, I'm a good counterpuncher, I'm athletic. He wasn't super meticulous or picking apart his opponent's game, though. This guy, Benjamin Bonzi, had a lights-out backhand. Lights-out, perfect backhand. Center kept going to it. I was a little confused by that. I was very startled because I consider him a very bright future, a future legend. I think he'll be a slam winner at some point in his career. So, I was a little taken aback by the fact that he was still challenging the guy's backhand. I don't know if it was a superiority ego thing. Like, look, that might be his best shot, but it doesn't phase me. But they split sets. It went to a third. So, with that being said, I do see Kyrios pick people apart and find weaknesses and exploit them. He's a strategist. So, it'll be interesting to see. Do you have a pick on who you think will win
1: between Kyrgios and center? Well, I was going to ask you, since uh, you said that uh, Sinner couldn't return his serve uh, at 130, Kyrgios serves at 130. Right. You were saying that uh, Bonzi has a solid backhand. Kyrgios Mm. has a solid backhand. Right. So uh, were you picking Kyrgios?
0: I think I'm going to pick Kyrgios for a few different reasons. He's looking very fit right now. I think he's a little more strategic. And I think that he's not afraid of Sinner um and on the flip side the only thing that i think is good news for sinner is that he does have a good team around him and they have seen Kyrios play several times which means they will go in with more of a strategy you know when you go against these really talented challenger athletes people don't really know them you don't you haven't done a much research on these guys they're not on tv and all that stuff so that is a disadvantage when you play a really good challenger athlete so unless sinner's team steps in and lets him know like hey Let's focus on playing the Kyrgios forehand and let's uh, let's study his serve a bit and step back and see if we can try to get more balls in play. I don't know how it's going to go for him. It's going to be a really
1: great match. If Kyrgios plays the way he's playing, it's Kyrgios all day. Yeah. And uh, he's even opening up the court with his forehand, with has a little side spin exiting to the side and then leaves the uh, backhand court open. Right. So Kyrgios is uh, firing on all cylinders for sure. Yeah, his forehand looks his forehand looks great.
0: Yes, you know, and it's his weaker uh, wing. So, I'm excited to see how he does against center because that's also going to let us know what to expect from Kyrios moving forward for the year.
1: Right. So, Uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about?
0: Um, I don't think so. You know, it it's been a good week. Uh, Obviously, as I said earlier, I went to Indian Wells. I had a blast. I wanted to go more than just one day, but you know, we're busy people. I look forward to, you know, whatever whatever happens with this tournament. I'm guessing you're rooting for Nadal to take it all. Yes, yeah. absolutely. All right, well, I'll be the, the wild man, and I'll, I'll root for a uh, Kyrgios or something. Of course. Uh, I want to see oh, someone God. new win it, so oh, that's it. All right, so I hope you guys were entertained. ATP Podcast. Until next time.